The Bible reading today comes from Romans chapter 14, verse 10 to 15, verse 7. And if you'd like to follow along in one of the Bibles on the seats that can be found on page 1764, um, it will also be on the screen behind me. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. Well, please do uh, keep a Bible open in front of you or on an app, because uh, one thing I always tell my students when I preach at chapel college is that they don't need to hear from me. We all need to hear God speak to us through His Word in the power of His Spirit. So please do uh, yeah, keep the Bible open to this uh, passage, which is actually a great passage on mission. Did you see it? You thought it was all about eating stuff and not eating stuff. Actually, it's about mission, and we'll get there. We'll get there. But if you know anything about the church in Africa today, you know that the church is kind of booming. 
On the continent of Africa today, there's some 600 million people who consider themselves Christian. But while the church is flourishing now, it is about to face its biggest challenge ever. Its biggest challenge is not the spread of Islam, it's not syncretism with witchcraft, it's not poverty, it's not tribalism, all these things are big issues for the church there, but actually the biggest church facing, the biggest challenge facing the church in Africa today is actually the exact same issue that is facing the church in Adelaide today. So the greatest challenge for the church in Africa and Adelaide is the challenge of how to disciple the next generation of believers in a world that is increasingly hostile to Christ. It's the same there as it is here. And this is actually what Romans 14 and 15 is all about. Did you see it? Well, let's pray that the Lord will help us to be His church on His mission here. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, thank You for Your Word that You gave, first of all, to the bunch of Christians gathered in Rome, but You always had us in mind today as well. So please speak to us through Your Word, by Your Spirit, that we can confidently know what it means to be your church on your mission here and there as we seek to reach the next generations of disciples for Christ. Amen. Well, if you've got your Bible there, look at chapter 15, verse 7. Verse 7, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Sounds nice, doesn't it? What a lovely Is this the key to mission in the world today? Just to be a bit more accepting? Kind of reminds us of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, yes? Do not judge or you too will be judged. So is is Paul telling us here that the key to mission in the world today is to just stop being so judgy? Just start accepting people as they are. If you want people to come in the door, then just, you know, make it easier for them. Is that what he's saying? Well, I don't think so, because you may have noticed that popular culture in Australia today is well past the stage of just letting us, you know, live and let live, isn't it? They don't just want to be accepted, they want to be affirmed. Now, and so while Christians may have been too judgmental in the past, you may have noticed that our culture has become quite judgmental itself, literally Four years ago, the message was, love is love. And now I've seen people walking around with hoodies on in Adelaide that say, your love is outdated. Four years. It's a bit judgy. But after all, if we did open the door a bit wider and made it a bit more accepting to come in, it wouldn't take people very long, would it? It would take the average person very long to realize that by the time that Jesus says, don't judge lest you be judged in the Sermon on the Mount, he's already had quite a bit to say about sex and lust and greed and hypocrisy and anger and self-righteousness and sin in general, hasn't he? 
And by the time you get to chapter 15, verse 7, where Paul says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you, he's already had a fair bit to say about uh, sex and lust and greed, hypocrisy, anger, self-righteousness and sin in general. See, how is Romans 15 a helpful word for us as we think about discipling the next generation and reaching out with the gospel to the nations around us today? Well, the first thing to note in Romans 15 is that Paul is not talking about how we treat those outside the church. He's talking about how we treat each other within the church. And he's talking about how the way that we treat each other at church is absolutely critical to the mission of the church today. So here's point one. The first thing that we see about the mission of God from today's passage is that the local church fulfills its mission to the nations, how? By glorifying God through our shared life together as the church. The mission and purpose of the local church is to glorify God by making Him known to all people through our shared life together as Christ's people. See, look with me at how our reading finishes in chapter 15, verses 5 to 7. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind, the mind of Jesus... And with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God. But where does that praise come from? Well, my PhD supervisor and dear friend Peter Adam always said, you can't teach people how to preach until you teach them what preaching is. So too, you can't teach people how to church until they know what the church is. So here Paul tells us that the church is not God's defensive strategy to kind of like protect us from the big bad world. No, the church is God's offensive strategy to overcome a hostile world and to be glorified within that world. See, we are not the defensive team We are God's offensive team on His mission. So Paul wants us to see how the church fulfills our great mission strategy that He's promised in the Old Testament, right throughout, as is, you know, every major prophet, every minor prophet. What does the Lord promise? He saves His people. Why? Because we're so awesome? Did He save me because I was so awesome? No. Got Ezekiel 39 here? Maybe, maybe not. If not, that's fine. Ooh, ooh, that's nice. As Ezekiel puts it, when the Lord saves his people from the nations and gathers them from his enemies, he says, then he will be proved holy through his people in the sight of many nations. God never just saves us for us to be saved, but for us to make His holiness, His righteousness, His grace and His mercy known, not just by what we say, but how we live as His people. And that's exactly why Paul immediately after this section, if you look with me in chapter 15, 
after he says, accept one another in order to bring praise to God, he goes on and quotes a bunch of Old Testament passages that are all about God being praised and glorified in the nations. He connects our life together to the great gospel mission. So he quotes Psalm 18, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles to sing your name. Have you ever realized why what you eat and don't eat, how that connects to God being glorified in the nations? Again, he quotes Deuteronomy 32, Rejoice, O Gentiles, O nations, with his people. See, for everything Paul says about how we treat each other as the church, he, he has in mind what we are as the church within God's glorious mission purposes to the world. So the purpose of every church, your church, is to bring glory to God by displaying and revealing Christ's righteousness through our life together before a watching world. Yes, we must proclaim it, but yes, we must live it. That God might be known, feared, glorified, and praised amongst all people. That's why Paul commands us to accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you. Why? In order to bring praise to God from the wider world. So what exactly does Paul mean when he tells us to accept one another then? And how does this actually result in people outside the church praising God? Well, point two. To understand what Paul does mean and what he doesn't mean when he tells us to accept one another, we need to understand that as the church, we glorify God's holiness and his character in the eyes of the world simply by embodying and living out the words of Christ together as Christ's people. See, accepting one another is not about just being nice and saying anything goes, it's specifically about living out Christ's words as Christ's people. Now, why do I say that? Well, have you noticed how everything that's in chapters 13 to 15 in Romans is actually just a rather direct application of Jesus' teaching in the Sermon on the Mount? He's taking Christ's words and applying it to Christ's people who are on God's mission. Paul takes Christ's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount and Christ's teaching and warning from the Sermon on the Mount of Olives with the parable about the servants and the sheeps and the goats. And he just applies that to the life of the church in Rome so that they can fulfill God's great commission. See, what's the great commission to the nations? Go? No, no, it, it's the great, Matthew 28, it's, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, make disciples as you go, as you baptize, and as you teach them to obey everything I have taught you, and I'm going to be with you. Paul's just doing that to the church in Rome. Now, I can't show you all the ways that the Sermon on the Mount informs what Paul's saying here, but a couple of examples should suffice. You skip back to Romans 13, verse 8. Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Well, Paul didn't make that up. 
in Matthew 5.17, at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Well, how does Paul think we fulfill the law? Well, how does Jesus think we fulfill the law? Verse 10, Paul says, love your neighbor as yourself because love is the fulfillment of the law, which comes straight from Jesus at both the start and the end of the Sermon on the Mount, 5.43.7.12. Now, the connections are everywhere when you start realizing that they're there, but I think the clearest usage of the Sermon on the Mount for Paul in our passage today is actually chapter 14, verse 17. Just think about what Paul says in 14.17 and where it might connect with something that Jesus has said in the Sermon on the Mount. Paul says the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, any, any connections? Well, how about in Matthew 6, from verse 31, Jesus says, don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, which is actually what Paul talks about throughout chapter 13. Jesus says, for the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Don't worry about the eating bit, or the drinking bit. First, seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you as well. See, throughout 13 to 15, Paul is actually just trying to fulfill the Great Commission by teaching the Christians in Rome, who have already been baptized into Christ, to live out Christ's words as Christ's people. So Paul's showing us what it means for us to fulfill the Great Commission as a church together, as Christ's people. And once we see what Paul's doing here, it helps us, to, if you like, to cut through all the cultural application that Paul has, the, the don't eat this, do eat that, and to think about why he says what he says and how that applies to us today. See, finally, what does it mean for us to accept one another just as Christ has accepted us so that we can take part in God's great mission to be praised amongst the nations and those outside the church? Well, to understand what Paul thinks that means, we just have to understand what Jesus thinks that means when he teaches us to accept and welcome one another. See, point three, to make sense of why accepting one another, why our life as church together is so mission critical, we just need to realize that by accepting one another, we are literally accepting and welcoming Christ who is within us. Just just look around at the people at church today. Who did you think you were meeting with today? Just Bob and Joe and the Rose? Uh, Paul's saying, no, no, uh, welcome one another because Christ is with you. How you treat one another is how you treat Christ. See, the reason why we need to embody Christ's words as we fulfill Christ's mission is because as the church, we are empowered by the indwelling presence of Jesus himself. 
which we kind of know, but we also kind of don't think about very much, yeah? See, God has not outsourced mission to us. It's not like Jesus goes, you know, Matthew 28, okay, guys, I've done the hard stuff, over to you. No, Christ hasn't outsourced his mission. He brings his people into his mission as he is with them to the end of the age. If you look at chapter 14, verse 19, and how suddenly we start to see that this is all about how the church is mission critical to God being glorified in the eyes of the nations. Chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Don't destroy what God's doing on mission in the world because you can't agree on what you can and can't eat. Have you forgotten who you are? You are plan A. You are drawn into God's mission and he dwells with you to bring glory to him and to bring salvation to others. And you're still fighting over food? Chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. Each of you should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Just classic Paul church talk. Chapter 5, uh, 15, 5 to 7. Accept one another then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. See, chapter 14 talks a lot about eating and not eating, but the issue is not food. The issue is the church and what it means for us to be the church within God's mission to the nations. Now, COVID happened. You remember that? Yeah. In 2021, when lockdown restrictions were first starting to ease in South Africa... And we were finally, after 18 months, allowed to have students into our home for a meal. It was so good. It was so good. We could see the students in the dining room from our lounge room, but we couldn't actually do anything but Zoom with them. But then we could get together as the church and, yeah, okay? I was excited. One of the first groups that we invited over, maybe this picture, maybe not, yes, yes, we got a whole bunch of the South Sudanese students to come into our upstairs apartment, and I decided to make it special. So I bought a four kilogram piece of pork, and I decided to slow smoke that thing for 12 hours and have pulled pork, and oh. I love meat. Meat is my love language. <laughs> I got up, the, the night before, I seasoned it, put it in the fridge. I got up at 5 a.m. in the morning to put it on the weather, and I gently, lovingly cared for it throughout the whole day, and you can smell it, yeah? It was so good. And then one of my friends, another lecturer, Steve, rang me up about something, and, he, and I said, oh, Steve, I'm having the South Sudanese over tonight. We're going to have pulled pork. It's going to be amazing. And Steve goes, pork, eh? Do the South Sudanese eat pork? I'm going, the South Sudanese are Christians. We can eat pork. And he goes, yeah, I don't think they eat pork. I'm going, 
So I got on the phone and I rang up a semi in the center down playing noughts and crosses with Amelia. Man, those guys play competitive noughts and crosses. Anyway, I rang Semi and I said, Semi, um, what would happen if you invite if you were invited to a lecturer's house? Because he was, and your lecturer served you pork. What, what would happen? And Semi goes, Ah, brother Mike, we would just be very happy that our lecturer has invited us to come to his house. Say, so, oh, very happy. W- would the pork make you happy? He goes, we would just be very happy to come to our lecturer's house. <laughs> so I put the pork in the fridge, and Karen ran down to the supermarket, and we, this is the photo, we, eat, we cooked burgers on the braai. Because the food doesn't matter, the people do. It's not about the food, it's about who we are as Christ's people. What matters is recognizing that we are the body of Christ, His Spirit is within us, and together we are on the mission of God to make Him known. So how we relate together is a gospel issue. Yes, we proclaim it, but yes, we live it out so that others can see. Friends, we will never know how to do church until we know what church is. But here's the sting in the tail. When Paul says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you, we're supposed to say that by accepting, by literally welcoming each other, we are welcoming Christ. What we do for the least of our brothers and sisters, we are doing for Christ, so that God can be glorified in the eyes of those outside the church. When Paul says, don't judge your brother and the sister, he's basically saying, don't divide the church. Recognize who you are and what you're for. So welcome one another. In the end, to understand what Paul means when he says, accept one another, to grasp why that's so important for our mission as the church here in Unley, we just need to see that Paul is just applying Christ's teaching from the Sermon on the Mount and the warnings from the Sermon on the Mount of Olives to the life of their church there. Because here's the catch. Who are the weak in this passage? Yeah, it's those that can't eat. But what does Paul say? Paul says, when we condemn one who is weak in the faith, who doesn't think it's okay to eat pork, he says, we are condemning Christ, who has welcomed us into his family already. When we judge our brother and sister who annoys us, we're standing in judgment and dividing ourselves from one who Christ has welcomed into our church. See, do you remember the parable of the sheep and the goats? Please, someone remember, you know, sheep one side, goats on the others. And the whole thing is about how we have treated who? Jesus. And no one can even remember when they were doing anything to Jesus. But Jesus says, they say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Oh, you see, that's about food again. When did we see you thirsty? You see, it's about drinking again. When do we see you a stranger and welcome you? 
When do we see you naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, what? Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. See how Paul's just applying Christ's teaching of the kingdom and applying it to us as the church. It's not about eating and drinking. It's about recognizing who we are and what our purpose is in God's mission to be glorified in the nations. But here's the sting in the tail. The word for sick in the sheep and the goats is the same word for weak in Romans 14 and 15. Chapters 14, 1, 15, 2. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. Oh Lord, when did we see you sick? When did we see you weak, Lord? Oh, don't you realize that whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Whatever you did for the weakest of my brothers at church, you did it for me. For what does this mean? At the end of the day, if the biggest challenge facing the church in Africa and Australia and Adelaide is the challenge of discipling the next generation of believers in an increasingly hostile world, then I think the greatest need for the church in Africa and Australia and Adelaide is to just recover the core message of who we are as the church and what our purpose is as the church. God has brought us into community in order to reveal His grace, His mercy, and His righteousness in the midst of a world that is lost in the blindness of sin. See, what might that look like for you at TCU, living out Christ's words as Christ's people in Christ's presence. Now, we can all share stories about the nonsense that we have seen in churches over the years when churches forget who they are, yeah? Yeah. I could tell a story of a church, its pastor, the elders, and a confession that was achieved with the results of a pair of pliers. I'm not going to tell you all the details, but let's just say that it's going to be one awkward conversation when Jesus returns. Because the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it for one of the least of these, you did it to me. Which is kind of funny, until we think about how we sometimes treat each other at church, yeah? Without realizing what we're doing. See, we don't really know how to do church until we know what we are as church. But actually, when we do know what we are, it makes things kind of easy, doesn't it? You don't need me to tell you, okay? See, you might not think that you are part of the youth ministry or the kids ministry, okay? But don't underestimate how observant young people are and how critical it is for them to see the church being the church as we seek to make disciples, okay? Young people, outsiders need to see a church empowered by the gospel in grace and love and forgiveness. 
to young people and outsiders need to be discipled, not just by church leaders, but by the church. See, I came to faith just after I had spent two weeks in the Royal Adelaide Hospital after an engineering pub crawl at uni that had gone horribly wrong. I'd been hanging around church for a couple of years, trying to be good enough to be saved, trying to do the right thing, but I was a mess as a young adult. And so in hospital, I resolved that I was never going back to church because I was ashamed and I was embarrassed and I just couldn't do it anymore. And then an old lady from the church wrote me a letter. An old lady, I didn't even know who she was. She wrote me a letter telling me that I can be saved not because of what I do for God, but because of what He has done for me in Christ. And here's the thing, it made sense, not just because she told me the truth, but because she lived it out towards me. This messed up uni student who was not like prospects for missionary service, let's just say. And I was a mess, but Faith Kramer continually showed me the grace of God that she held out to me as part of the church. See, God used the church in my life. See, I love coming to Radiate, you know, on a Friday night to see what's going on. Not because there's a lot of gospel activity for my son, but because it's a gospel community that's living out the gospel it proclaims. I love the fact there's a whole lot of adults involved, because our kids need to see the gospel in the church where they hear the gospel, lived out as community, whether we think Faith Kramer was on the university ministry or not. It's one reason why I love church camps and weekends away, Uh, not because of all the extra gospel activity that we can do, because it's a chance to be gospel community. Now, it shouldn't be a burden, but it should be a chance to carry each other's burdens, to live that out. See, friends, remember who you are. Remember who you are gathered here with. And live that out together in the grace of the gospel. So that God might be glorified in the midst of the nations on our doorsteps... And so that the next generation might be truly discipled by us as the church. So friends, just to finish, please don't mistake gospel activity for gospel community because they belong together. Don't mistake church attendance for church community because they belong together. But maybe sometimes it would be a good thing if you confused and mistook the other people at church for your Lord Jesus. Because we really belong together. So brothers and sisters, know who you are and accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God among the nations and for all generations. Let's pray. Lord, we are weak, we are frail, we are not the obvious people or group to change the world. 
but you choose us and you gather us into your plans and purposes that your grace, mercy, holiness, righteousness might be revealed in the the eyes of the world through our weakness and love as we live out the gospel. Lord, help us to reach and disciple those outside the church and those within the church by recognizing who we are as the church and living out the gospel that we proclaim, that you might be glorified now and forever. Amen.